Welcome to church. Will you please help me thank Vincent and the team for leading us so wonderfully in worship? Yeah, really great. So wonderful to be spending Sunday morning in church with you. So thank you for being here in person and to everyone joining us online uh, on YouTube or Facebook. Kingfisher FM joining us now, as well as our church in Jeffreys Bay, our church in George live streamed uh, last week, and now it's our church in Jeffreys Bay. So church in the building here in Nelson Mandela Bay, will you please help me welcome everybody joining us from around the world. It's so wonderful, uh, once again, to, to be here with you. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us. We had a, an amazing week in, in the life of the church. So all the side pastors, we went away. So from Utenag, Jeffreys Bay, George, and Cape Town, we all, all met up and sort of planned uh, what the year looks like together. But also, more exciting than that, our saints, those all our high schoolers, went on summer camp. Are there any of them still alive and awake to, to, to say, I've seen one or two of them barely able to open their eyes. That's such, so much fun, but they're exhausted, uh, which is what you want, I guess, when you come back from camp. There were also photos of, of, and videos of bonfires and worship into the early hours of the morning, which is really wonderful. Um, Nikki and Andrew Peterson, Nikki heads up our, our kids' church, uh, they spoke so highly of the quality of children that are in our church and in our youth program. I really want to commend all the parents who have raised their children in the way of the Lord. So wonderful. And it's a worth a celebration. Yeah. I also, I, I, these people are probably going to not be happy with me for doing this, but um, there were one or two operational, operational items that needed to be addressed at the last minute. And I, I really wanted to give a shout out to a few men who really jumped in, took time of work, took leave uh, to go out in the week, and then again yesterday to help pack it all up and bring it back. So uh, to Taman Austin, Eugene Bester, Sean and Kelly Moodley, thank you so much for making sure that our, our high schoolers just had the most wonderful time. So thank you for helping me celebrate uh, that. Really exciting to have our saints uh, back on Friday nights from next Friday, as well as their Sunday morning services from next Sunday the 21st. So last week, we began uh, unpacking our vision statement as a church by focusing on the first word, which is awaken. I'll get to the, the vision statement in just a moment. During the first couple of months of this year, we'd like to unpack our vision statement, but really, uh, Vince and I have been praying a lot about this, and, and I shared on New Year's Eve and briefly last week that we felt from the scripture in Isaiah 61, the word for the year would be restore 24. I know it rhymes. It's a bit cheesy, but it's great, because Isaiah 61, that's the passage of scripture that Jesus quotes from or reads from when he starts his public ministry. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to proclaim freedom for the captives and the year of the Lord's favor, and to bestow on those who mourn a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture of how Christ restores us. But then the scripture carries on. It doesn't end there. It says, those people the people of God who, whom he has restored, they will be a planting for the display of the Lord's splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated and renew that which was lost and broken. And we really wanted to unpack that next part of those whom the Lord has restored being a planting for the display of his splendor. 
and that the people whom the Lord has restored will be the ones that restore the world back to God and restore the kingdom of heaven on earth. Can you say amen to that? Oh, there's a clap for that. Yeah, I think that's our, that's our call as the church. And so we're, we're using that as a reference for uh, unpacking our vision statement. So if you don't know, I'm going to read the vision statement for you. This is our vision statement of the church. Uh, churches around the world all have a vision statement, but it all uh, effectively comes from the Great Commission, which you can read in Matthew 28. Jesus saying, go into all the world and proclaim, or, or you know, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So this is what our vision statement says. To awaken the world to the gift of salvation by grace and to express our faith and freedom in every sphere and season. So we're, we're going to spend the first month on the first sentence, I guess, to awaken the world to the gift of salvation by grace. So we're, we're calling that awaken. And then the second part, we're calling that activation. So that's our traditional activation month in February and how we as the body of Christ express our different gifts together, whether that's through serving or small groups or different spaces. And last week we spoke about Christ waking us up as he, he said, Lazarus, our friend is sleeping. I'm going there to wake him up. And how Christ wakes us up and calls us and commissions us to go and do the same. And today we're going to focus in on the world. So that says to awaken the world to the gift of salvation by grace. And so I wanted to begin by asking, is this the world that you want? The world that we see, the world that you live in, is this the world that you want? I think it'd be easy to look around at the world and see wars and global warming, and see poverty and crime, corruption, load shedding, unemployment, and we'd be forgiven for answering with a resounding, no, this is not the world we want to see. But then I'd like to ask us, how much of the world we live in is our responsibility? Who or what or where is our world that God has asked us to take responsibility for? For Whilst uh, the wars in Gaza and Ukraine and around the world, those are tragic and, and heart-wrenching. I worry that we are so consumed with the war happening elsewhere that we ignore the fire at home that needs to be addressed. Oh, wow. I worry that we, we only get worked up and concerned about what is happening out there while it's sort of trending, but we disregard what is happening here in our hearts, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, all around us. As you may know, I'm a rugby referee. And um, when, we, when we go, uh, I've, I've been privileged enough to go to a few tournaments with SA Rugby. And so what happens there is, on the day of our games, uh, we get sworn at. And then the day after our games, we get told by the referee coaches why that they were swearing at us. And so we, hopefully we learn about that. Um, so I, I, um, I jokingly say this whenever I officiate an, a wedding of Afrikaans people. Because they wonder why the Dwemini is not speaking Afrikaans, he's speaking English. And I say, you know, I'm learning Afrikaans, but it happens on the rugby field. And that's not appropriate for um, uh, a wedding day. Um, yeah, I bravely said once upon a time that I've learned a lot about my mother's anatomy that I wouldn't, ought not to have learned. But um, 
It is what it is. It's part of the job. Um, one day when we get to heaven, we'll all speak Afrikaans. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Moving swiftly along. Not rugby Afrikaans. So save it Afrikaans. So as a rugby referee, uh, we're getting feedback. So one of my very first tournaments, um, Coach Danny, he, he, he's, um, he's quite rough around the edges. So he's like, Pastor, he calls me. Yes, okay, what's going to happen now? He said, what, what, what would you do if your house was on fire? And I think, what on earth are we talking about? This is a rugby refing. And he said, would you run to your neighbors or would you actually attend to it and attend to your family? I said, well, yeah, I'd, I'd attend to the family. And then he gets all animated. Then why? If the ball is still at the ruck and they're getting up to rubbish, are you looking at the offside lines? Are they onside? Attend to what's happening at home. And I thought, oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but I think that's true of us too. We're very quick to go out here criticizing the world. Get back on side, please. Get back on side. But um, there's something happening here at home that we haven't quite attended to yet. Luke, uh, oh wow, were you clapping for that? Thanks. I didn't know if my rugby example would look. Rugby fans in the front row. Um, Luke 24, and even in Acts chapter 1, it's reiterated. Jesus says this great commission that I referenced earlier starts in Jerusalem. Now, I always read that as like, oh, what am I doing in PE? Go to Jerusalem and then to the ends of the earth. I, I was born and raised in PE. I'm still here. Well, I was born and raised in Red House, but that's part of PE, I guess. Um, but what I didn't realize was Jesus was talking to people in Jerusalem. So start at home. Start here in my own heart so that I may change or God may change my heart. And through the changing of my heart, I may change my home. And through the changing of my home, I may change the homes around me or my neighborhood and influence the workplace. And then we go out into all the world, not starting out there, but starting in here with Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Pastor George uh, has used the concentric circles in the past to explain how our vision works. I'm going to address them in a, in a moment about how we plan to practically work out our vision statement. I wonder if production can have those concentric circles up. Um, there they are. Not yet. They're almost there. They should be there. There they are. Thank you. So um, I've changed them a little bit, but I, I, I used to think... You know, we should we start outside to awaken the world, right? You go to the city and you bring them back all the way in. And that's true. We do. We go to the city. We invite them. Go to all the world, right? For God so loved the world. And the city is our world. We want to go to the world, invite them into the crowd, get them here on a Sunday, get people before the gospel and have them come to know the power of salvation, get them called out. And once they're called out, they join the local church, the congregation. And in the congregation, they find their community, the community of believers. And within that community of believers, we have a core who are strong and able to, to lead those who are leading dream teams, who are leading small groups. But at the center of it all is Christ. And I realized we, ha we have to sort, we have to get Christ into our center that impacts or influences or makes healthy our core individually. And then when our core is influenced and rooted in Christ, that then begins to impact our community. 
that's our immediate family and friends. And once that impacts our community, well, we, we become a community of believers and we join a local congregation. We're part of the Church of Christ. And that congregation is those who call others out to salvation and those who welcome the crowd to church and those who go into the city and awaken the world to the gift of salvation by grace. And so I think that the concentric circles are a helpful uh, reference point for how we can make this work. We're going to have Christ at our center going out into the world and then inviting the world back into Christ to have Christ at their centered. So we would have a Christ-centered country, city, and world. Can you say amen to that? So I want to say that you make the world you want. We make the world we want by inviting Christ to transform us. And in the transformation of ourselves internally, we begin to bear fruit that influences our community, our families, and eventually goes out and and snowballs out into all the world so that we change the world by changing ourselves. I I think of a story, uh, or, or not really a story, but how we were raised in my household. So, oh man, I said I should stop telling stories of my family because they make me cry. In a good way, in a good way, in a good way, in a good way. Um, so I'm just going to look down. Uh, so I grew up in a, in a really lovely home in Red House, as I said. Red House is basically the Garden of Eden. Um, yeah, that's how it's described. But the river running through it, it's all there in the Bible. Um, and um, that was just a joke. So I grew up in a family home. Now, my home is not perfect. My parents are not perfect. I'm not perfect. But what my parents cultivated was a home rooted in God. We go to church together. We pray together. We create a home of love, of honor, of respect, of godliness, of working as unto the Lord, of respect for one another, of taking responsibility upon yourself. And that was... A privilege. I'm, I'm privileged and grateful to have been raised in that home. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But what really amazed me uh, about that home, uh, excuse me, just there's something in the throat. What really amazed me was um, it was never too much to have somebody else come into our home. And by that I mean, like, I don't mean uh, my, my cousins grew up next door, so my cousins came over, or, you know, a friend came to sleep over. I mean, invite somebody in who needed a place of health to live, needed a home. Not necessarily just somebody who didn't have the practical means for a home, but somebody who had a house but not a home, if that makes sense. And who could, um, who could be cultivated with health. So the, my parents... Um, their, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, their hypothesis, I guess, for lack of a better term, was that if you invite somebody into health and just surround them with health, that'll rub off on them. And, and you've got to be patient with that, right? Health doesn't happen overnight. But if you cultivate a home that is safe and welcoming, it engenders trust and it engenders a, a sense of we're not perfect here, but we're aspiring towards something and we're rooted in God and and I, it really made me, I've really seen lives transformed and people over, open up as they came to be part of our family, really considered 
brothers or, or, or family members. And I think that's the way to restore the world. That's the way to restore the world is we start at home and we allow that to impact our internal world and then our immediate world. And then we create an invitational culture that invites others in to say, hey, come get healthy with us. Come sit with us. Come learn about love. Come learn about Jesus here. You don't get healthy from the outside in, right? It's from the inside out. But you've, you've got to invite people in so that we can work out health in their life. Does that make sense? And so I, that was a, a really practical example for me to realize, okay, it's got to start here, but it's got to end out there by inviting back to Jesus. So other concentric circles go back, go, go both ways. It's almost like why Jacob's ladder had angels ascending and descending. It's not just one direction. Heaven comes to us and then we take heaven out into the world. Can you say amen to that? Okay, so let's get to those scriptures that are, invite us to start within and then move out into the world. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that scripture confirms that it starts with me. I have to wait and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I have to be woken up by Jesus, as we spoke about last week. I need the Spirit of God to transform me from the inside. Then, a witness of that transformation in Jerusalem, my immediate surroundings. And then, we go out into all the world to witness to the world this gift of salvation by grace. Jesus sort of repeats this, or this idea is repeated in Luke 24. Jesus says, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So that, that scripture also says, don't try to do this in your own strength. Be patient, allow, wait for the Holy Spirit to come and transform you, but allow him in, invite him in. Be transformed from the inside out. And then having been transformed, transform your world around you and awaken the world to the gift of salvation by grace. And so we need to receive this awakening that we spoke about last week, this transformation by the Holy Spirit. And then we can go out into all the world and awaken the world to the gift of salvation. But it starts with our own internal world. I, I, I mentioned earlier when I was speaking about Isaiah 61, that we are to become a planting for the display of the Lord's splendor. But how do we become a planting? You know, it's, it's Jesus' restoration in us, right? But we have to be rooted in Jesus in order to be restored ourselves so that our planting doesn't just wither, but a, a tree planted by rivers of living water, that tree will then be a display of the Lord's splendor. So it starts in our internal world, ensuring we are rooted in Christ. John 15 says, Jesus speaking, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
But apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So that Jesus is saying, and, and this idea of becoming a display of his splendor, of bearing fruit to the Father's glory, showing that we are Christ's disciples, starts by rooting our lives in Jesus. That looks like prayer, or it looks like inviting Jesus in, firstly, allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us. But it looks like practicing prayer, reading scripture, attending church, worshiping together. It is a lifestyle rooted in Jesus. It is allowing Jesus to be both Lord and Savior, not only Savior. Vince spoke a few weeks ago about moving our whole house in to the house of God, being rooted in Jesus. It also means allowing God to prune us and discipline us and and cut off that which is not fruitful and trim that which is so that it can become more fruitful. But that requires a sense of surrender in our internal world to say, okay, Lord, I realize that a transformed world starts with a transformed me. And so I have to allow you to transform me from the inside, rooted in you, and then pruned by you, because a loving father will discipline his child. And then we're invited to bear much fruit. But that fruit is only a function, external fruit is only a function of internal health. And so allowing the transformation of our hearts and our internal world will produce the fruit of the Father, fruit that lasts, fruit that others may taste and see that the Lord is good. Can you say amen to that? The evidence of our discipleship is fruit. And, and Galatians 5 tells us what is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, patience and kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, righteousness, self-control. Those are all things that are not that easy to do on your own. To be loving and joyful always and peaceful and patient and kind and gentle, full of self-control. That requires a submission to Jesus in order and submission to the leading of the Spirit in order to bear that fruit, fruit that reveals the glory of God. The scripture goes on to say that once we are rooted, once we are transformed, then we ought to stay in step with the Spirit, walk in step with the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit of God will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we're able to overcome the world because of the one who has overcome the world living within us. And so we, we need to, in order to restore the world, in order to awaken the world to the gift of salvation, it has to start with our internal world and inviting the Spirit of God to transform us into the image and likeness of Christ, that we may go out into the world and transform others. Can you say amen? Secondly, <clears throat> having, having, been transform, excuse me, having been transformed in our, in our internal world, we move into our immediate world. Those are our family members, our friends, our loved ones. Ephesians 5 and into 6 is a famous passage of Scripture. Vince and I were talking about it on our way back this, this week. And it's the one that the ladies don't really like. You know, people, if, if, if you say, what would you like to speak about at your wedding? I don't mind what you speak about. Just don't reference the Scripture, people often say, right? Wives, submit to your husbands. At Ephesians 5 Scripture. That Scripture starts by saying, those who are led by the Spirit. So it's saying it requires an internal transformation of our hearts first. Then it goes on to say, those who are led by the Spirit will submit themselves to one another in love out of reverence for Christ. 
So the way to, to lead our immediate world is to have our internal world submitted to Christ, led by Christ. Then husbands will love your wives. Then wives will respect your husbands. Then children will obey your parents. And then parents will raise your children in the way of the Lord. Then you will work as though working for the Lord, not for human hands. Then if you are a boss, you will look after your employees, not as though they are yours, but as though they are the Lord's, knowing that you both have the same master, the scripture says. So it requires a transformed internal world to transform our immediate world. But this scripture tells us that a transformed internal world will transform our immediate world. It will result in those led by the Spirit loving in a way that reveals the family of Christ. Can you say amen to that? It requires us to be Spirit-led and submitted to Christ so that we would submit to one another in Christ. One of my favorite passages of scripture, and we often reference it when we do child dedications or even at weddings and when we're talking about how to raise a family in the way of the Lord is the famous Shema prayer in Deuteronomy 6. You may recognize it because it's what Jesus referenced when he said, when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? This is the first commandment. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So even there, Jesus said, this is not something that can come from out there. It has to come from in here. Christ creating a new heart within us and from a new heart with his laws written on them, then we are able to love the Lord with all our hearts, all mind and strength. Then it goes on to say, that person who has the laws of the Lord written on their heart, transformed from the inside, impress them on your children, your immediate world. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That scripture is saying everything we do when we sit down, when we, when we get up. This week when we were away for two nights and I came home, I missed my wife and I'm only recently married so my wife still misses me. And, and she said, you know what I missed the most about you being away? was that we didn't start and end our day, day in prayer together. I thought, oh man, what a, what a beautiful thing. But that's really important, right? If I think of even the way we grew up, what was the last thing we did together before we went to bed? We prayed. Impress them on your children, what it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Transform your immediate world. Talk about it at all times. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them on your wrists so that all of your work is done as unto the Lord. That the evidence of you serving God is seen in the work of your hands. Bind them on your foreheads that what you think about and what other people see when they see you is somebody who loves the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Tie them on your, on your gates or in the door frames of your house so when you go in and when you come out again, you're reminded we and our household, our immediate world, loves the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're encouraged to set our house in good order. You know, Jesus says, we know from Matthew 7 about the, that parable or, or the teaching in, this, in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, you know, take the log out of your own eye before you criticize a brother. But it concludes by, well, it says you hypocrite, but it says first take, 
take the plank out of your own eye so that you can see clearly to remove the speck of dust in a brother's eye. I think that's really important that we sort out our internal world and our immediate world so that we can see clearly, ah, this is where things are going wrong in the external world or the world out there. Perhaps it starts right at home with broken families and we should say, oh, actually, let's make sure this immediate world is healthy from an internal world that is healthy so that we can see clearly to help others and restore them gently and help draw them back to Jesus. Does that make sense? We've got to be able to ensure that we are not critical of the world. He is without sin, cast the, cast the first stone. We know we're not in a position actually to be casting stones at the world. We shouldn't criticize the world. We should change it. And changing the world starts by changing our internal world, influencing our immediate world, and then we can go out into all the world and invite them to salvation. That's how we'll, ha- we'll earn credibility and restore the credibility of the people of God and the church of God. That, you know, if I, I mentioned my family uh, situation earlier, my family story earlier, it was the credibility of a healthy family that allowed somebody else to open up and be vulnerable and come into this and be open to the Lord. And I think that's incredibly important. Let the world have no baton with which to beat us. Ensure that our internal and immediate world is restored unto God so that we can go out and restore the world. Can you say amen? And then finally, your invitational world. I've mentioned how my parents invited others in to get healthy. And as a church family, we should have an invitational culture that this, world, this immediate world of our church is healthy, that we invite others in. We don't make it a closed click that's only for me and my people. Instead, it was actually the call on the nation of Israel that they would be blessed by God and be a blessing to all the world, that they would open the doors and open the way for all to come to know God, that they their way that they lived would be a light unto the nation so that others would be welcomed in. That's our call as the church, to restore the light of Christ, to be a city on a hill so we would shine a light that is welcoming others in. Jesus teaches the parable of what we call the highways and the byways, if you will, or the wedding banquet. And in that parable, God the Father is hosting this, this banquet, says, go and invite the poor, the crippled, anybody, invite them in. And after they've been invited, the servant says, what we've ordered is done, but there is still room. Then the master says, go out to the roads and the country lanes, the highways and byways. Compel them to come so that my house will be full. That is God's desire for us to be those servants who go out into all the world and invite the world back into relationship with him. That is the gift of salvation by grace that it is a free invitation by God to have relationship with him. And a restored church, a restored internal world, restoring our immediate world, goes out and creates an invitational world that says, come. As the, uh, the prophet Isaiah said, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And you will delight, oh, sorry, and your, and your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. What is the prophet talking about? He's talking about an invitation to come eat at the table with the Lord 
a free gift purchased by the blood of Jesus. Nothing to be paid on your part or on the world's part, but just an invitation to come to sit with the Father through Jesus. There's nothing that needs to be done. No one who is too far gone. We don't expect people to be healthy when they come. We say, come here and get healthy. Come here and meet Jesus. Jeremiah 32 speaks of nothing being too hard for God and no one being too far from God that his outstretched arm can't draw them back to him. This is our call as the church is to invite all the world to come and eat freely of this gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Know that if I think back to my parents, know that it requires patience. I spoke about that earlier when we received the offering. Jesus, God says in Isaiah 55 as well that no word will return to him void, but it will accomplish what God set it out to do. Be patient with people. If you're on a journey, maybe you're waiting for a, a husband or a wife to come to know the Lord, or a child who seems far off, or a parent, or someone that you are yearning to come to salvation. Trust God. Nothing is too difficult for our God. No one is too far off. Be patient. Trust that every seed sown will return a harvest in due season. That God will accomplish what he has set his word out to do. That nothing and no one is separated from God's love in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? So to conclude, we make the world we want. If the world you see is not the world you want, why not you the one to restore it? Why not you the one who's, who God, when God says, whom shall I send with my message? Here am I, Lord, send me. How will they hear if no one is sent? And that's why it says how beautiful on the, on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Allow Jesus to come in and to restore you Having been restored, you are the one who restores your family. To take that responsibility and say, transformed me by the grace of God can transform my family by the grace of God. And a transformed family, a transformed family of faith, the children of God can transform the world and restore the world back to God and awaken the world to the gift of salvation by grace. So that's our call in 2024. Restore 24. To allow Christ to restore you, having been restored, to allow Christ to work through you, to restore your family. And a restored church will restore the world. Can you say amen to that? I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we, if you're able to, so that we can close in a word of prayer. As we pray, I want to remind you that there is personal prayer and a one-on-one prayer available after the service up front. There's communion available on either side. And then, of course, the coffee shop and the guest lounge. Let's take a moment to pray. So as we pray, I'm going to invite you to, to respond to Jesus wherever you are on this journey. We, we start by saying, Father, thank you. Thank you that you have restored unto us a relationship with you, that we are called again the children of God because of what your son Jesus Christ has done. Thank you that you have come with good news, that you have come to fulfill what we could never do and that you invite us to come and eat freely. And so we we pray 
for each person here, perhaps far off from God, perhaps wondering, my inside world is in turmoil. I'm in a mess. I'm perhaps asleep like Lazarus was, as we spoke about last week. Father, we pray for, for anyone in that situation that they would listen to your call. Lazarus, come out to wake up, to be transformed, to be filled by your spirit and to say, ah, all things have been made new. If anyone is in Christ, behold, the old is gone. All things have been made new. So we thank you, Father, that you are able to make us new, to restore us and to restore to us the joy of your salvation and renew within us a willing spirit to sustain us. We pray for those who have been restored by the Lord to be led by the Spirit to restore their immediate world, their families and households and homes, their workplaces and spheres of influence, that the children of God would stand up and be known to shine a light to the world and to restore the world. And Father, as a church and as a family of faith, as the children of God, we commit ourselves to inviting others to restore others back unto you. Thank you that it is your will that no man should perish, but that all should come to salvation. For you so loved the world that you gave your son, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. That you are reconciling the world to yourself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. So we thank you for this gift. What a privilege it is to say, here we are, Lord. Send us, restore us and send us to restore the world unto you and to restore the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And so we commit this and ourselves to you and to your service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us and spending your Sunday with us. God bless you and goodbye.